0: So last week, we saw something pretty heavy happen, right? Ananias and Sapphira uh, lied about the proceeds of the land they sold, and they dropped dead due to their sin. So we learned about whether or not that can happen today, and we learned about some temptations and motivations that we may have to lie. So we left off in verse 11 in chapter 5, which stated, great fear came uh, uh, over the church. So now we pick up in what happened next. And what happened next is in Acts 5, verse 12. Acts 5, verse 12. Come on, I know you can do it. (laughs) There we go. Acts 5, verse 12. Did I do that or you did that, Rob? Okay, good. Um, (laughs) Acts 5, 12 says this. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. So Solomon's portico is Solomon's porch, which was a large porch on the east side of the temple that was a gathering place. And the early believers used this area to worship. Now, during the worship, many signs and wonders were happening, which were predicted by Jesus that the apostles would do. The purpose of these signs and wonders were to draw people in to draw people in, make them aware of the great power of God, and they would hear the good news about Jesus. Now, there were two general responses from the crowd. And the first in Acts uh, 5.13 says this, None of the rest dared to join them, but the people held them in high esteem. So the rest were the crowd that came against the apostles. They were following the religious leaders, Of that day, and they were afraid to follow. But in general, most people, most of the people that were there, had great respect for the apostles because they witnessed what was going on, which resulted in this in verse 14. It says, And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. So they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. So the scriptures here say more than ever, more than ever, believers were added. So, so far in Acts, if you remember, if you're tracking with us, if you remember, Peter uh, preached that first sermon, 3,000 people became believers. Um, then another sermon that Peter preached, preached, excuse me, preached <laughs> like forked River, right? Um, so um, another sermon that Peter preached, 5,000 people became believers. So now this is saying more than ever. So we got about eight to 10,000 people that are already believers. So now it's saying more than ever. So it, it, we can only speculate, but it could have been tens of thousands of people were coming to Christ. Now, realizing the power of God through the apostles, people brought out their sick family members and friends. Now, this is where we start to see the message spread outside of Jerusalem, just like Jesus said it was supposed to happen. Remember, remember, go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So now we're going to see this message start to spread outside of Jerusalem. So then it says this. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Now, something I want to point out, again, in regards to this special apostolic time. How many of these people were healed? What does the scripture say? I underlined it for you, right? All of them. All tells us something, doesn't it? I mean, the fact that every single sick person that was brought to the apostles was healed, it tells us something. Think about today. The people that we, we see as believers, or the people, excuse me, the people that say we as believers can heal like they did in the time of Acts, is it all the time? Is it every person? No, it's not. So many of those people um, that say that we as believers can heal like the apostles did at this time or say that they have these gifts, it's it's not all the time, right? So this tells us something about this very special time in the history of God's people. Every single person that was brought sick was healed. In this special apostolic time, All were healed. This obviously signifies some sort of special time in the history of God's church and in God's economy. So next, we're going to see how the authorities respond. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. So now, generally speaking, the Sadducees, they rejected the resurrection of Jesus, they, they rejected, actually, the existence of any type of spirits, So you can see why the ministry of the apostles would trigger them, right? I mean, they're mad right now. This, these guys are going around. They're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. They're healing people. There's, this, there, there's validation in their ministry of the spiritual world. But notice what Luke says or what Luke records the reason that they arrested them was. Did you notice that? They were filled with jealousy. Filled with jealousy. Well, then you have to ask, wh- what were they jealous of? Well, we can assume it was the following that the apostles had. I mean, now at this point, there's, you know, maybe twenty to 30,000 believers following after them. But we have to ask why the apostles had this following. It was the signs and wonders that were being performed by God through them, or in other words, good things that were happening to the people in the community through the apostles. Think about this for a second. Good things were happening to the people of the community through the apostles. I mean, think about this. If, if we went to a local hospital and we had the power to heal every single person in that hospital and then there was an authority that was like i don't like this what does that say about that person and i think part of the reason why luke recorded this this filled with jealousy is it shows it's pretty sad that this made the priests arrest the apostles now i'm sure you've had you've heard this term haters gonna hate have you heard this term Some of you, I'm at the nine o'clock service. is the wrong demographic, right? Um, So the the term haters gonna hate is, is basically saying you're jealous. People will say this when someone hates on something good or the good fortune of someone else. They're jealous of something good or the good fortune of someone else. Essentially, it shows our jealousy of that person. Now, jealousy really says more about you than it does about the person, doesn't it? It really says more about you than it does about the person. It's a problem you, if, if, if it's a problem you have in your life, it's something that you need to get into check. If something's going well for another person, if they're blessed in a way that you want to be blessed, if they're successful in things that maybe you want to be successful in, if things are going their way, the proper and godly response is to rejoice with them. The proper and godly response is to rejoice with them. The scriptures tell us this, right? Mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those that rejoice. So a question I have for you is, are you jealous of someone in your life? Well, guess what? If you are jealous of someone in your life and that jealousy goes unchecked, what it's going to make you do, it's going to cause you to do ugly things. It's going to cause you to do ugly things. Let's get back to the Sadducees. The ugly thing they did was they arrested the apostles. Now, what happens next validates their work was actually from God. Because look, they arrested the apostles. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this Life. Now, when people are jealous of you and come against you, it can be discouraging. And sometimes it can discourage you from doing the work that God called you to do. So, this prison break by an angel not only shows everyone, like, these guys are from God, okay? Like, this was like a divine prison break. But what it also does is it encourages them, it encourages the apostles. I mean, granted, the healing, the following, all that stuff, like, I'm sure that was a huge encouragement. But when you have the authorities go against you, do you start to question what you're doing? When the authorities go against you, you start to think, like, well, they're the authorities. I mean, they're there. And and, and later on in Romans, we see that the authorities are placed by God. So even though this wasn't written yet in Romans, you have to think that the apostles were probably like, okay, like, this, is, this is pretty heavy right here. This is pretty crazy. Like We're being thrown in jail for doing this. And then all of a sudden, an angel comes, breaks them out of jail. And not only breaks them out of jail, what, is, what does the angel say? Go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. He's saying, listen, you're not doing anything wrong. In fact, you're doing something so right. Go back, do what you're doing, because you're telling people about how they can truly have life. In verse 21, it says, And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. So now... They had more validation of their mission, so they obeyed. They went and and they taught. They said, you know what? I know they said not to do this. I know they arrested us. Like, Let's just go and do this because we got more validation here. So it says, now when the high priest came and those who were with him, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison, so they returned and reported. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. So they wanted the apostles, they wanted to bring the apostles in for trial to the council, but when they got to the jail, they found out no one was inside. You have a locked prison with guards in front. Now, you know, some could suggest, like, oh, the guards must have let them out. No prison guard is ever going to let a prisoner out, okay? They're not going to do that because they're going to die, okay? They're going to die if, they found, if, if it's found out that they let them out. So it was a divine prison break, and we see, now when the captain of the temple, the chief priests, heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, Look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. So the officials, like, they found out, okay, these guys aren't in jail, and then somebody else came and ran and said, hey, listen, those guys that were supposed to be in jail, that aren't in jail anymore, guess what? They're back at it. They're doing the same thing. They're preaching in Solomon's portico. They're, they're doing this. So then they were like, well, let's go get these guys. But notice it says they went and got them, but not by force, okay? The reason why they didn't get them by force is they were afraid of the people. 10, 20, 30,000 people were following after these apostles, and they're thinking, you know what? We could have a revolt on our hands. Like these people can literally just go ham on us and we're in big trouble because there's a heck of a lot of them and there's not many of us. So then you go to the next verses. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council and the high priest questioned them saying, we strictly charge you not to teach in this name. Talking about Jesus. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and you intend to bring this man's blood on us. So first they're saying, you know, we want you to stop preaching. But there's also another factor here. Notice the last line. You intend to bring this man's blood. They're like, these guys are, are blaming us. or trying to get everybody to blame us for the death of Jesus. His blood being on our hands. So then... Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed, by hanging him on a tree. So Peter now throws down the answer that they do not want to hear. First, we have to obey God, which we talked about a few weeks ago, remember? When the authorities tell you to disobey God, who do you obey? You obey God. So this is where Peter says, you know, first thing they don't want to hear, we're obeying God, not you. Second thing they don't want to hear is this. You, in fact, did kill Jesus. Okay? You guys actually did do this. He was delivered up, and you killed him. So then Peter says this. God exalted him at his right hand As leader and savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Now, again, we see this in Acts. Now, this is the fourth time we see Peter preach the gospel Sin, you killed Jesus, Jesus' death. Jesus' death to pay the price for our sins. Jesus' resurrection, we're witnesses of this. Jesus rose from the grave to prove that he is God, to prove that he could pay for our sins. God's given us the Holy Spirit, so when a person believes in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, which will guide us and help us to live our lives in view of him. So then, when they heard this, They were enraged and wanted to kill them. You ever get mad at somebody and you're like, oh, that's what these guys are feeling. They were enraged. They're like, we got to get rid of these guys. This is such a problem. Like, what are we going to do with these guys? They were obviously frustrated. They didn't know what to do. But then we have this voice of reason arise out of the council. Let's check this out. you might even be found opposing God. So Gamaliel, he's a wise and diplomatic man, basically told them, you know what, guys? Don't spin your wheels. We have two recent examples of guys who rose up, kind of drew people away. The first one, the Theodos, he got about 400 people away. Then Judas, after that, got some, maybe a couple hundred people away. And they both died, and their following kind of fizzled out. Right? Their following fizzled out. Nobody really knows much about it. Um, most of the stuff I was reading, there's some stuff in um, like Josephus and stuff like that, the historian. They're like, yeah, I think I think I think that was there. Yeah, I heard something about that guy. A couple little historical things that they found nuances of these things happening outside of the biblical text. So basically, they're saying, listen, Gamaliel's saying, listen, like it amounted to nothing. Now Jesus was crucified. How long can this go on? if he was just a regular man? Well, we have the answer now, right? Okay, how long could this possibly go on, right? Obviously, Gamaliel, in his speech, right, is ignoring the resurrection because the resurrection already did happen. He's not mentioning that. He's basically just saying to this council, like, listen, guys, like, if this is from man, it's gonna fail. But this is, if this is of God, you better step aside and watch out because if it's from God, you are going to be found opposing God. And guess what? In a boxing match between you and God, you're not winning. OK, you're not winning any match against God. Now for us today, I believe this serves as a lesson for us in well, as well in our personal lives in regards to the work of God Or something that we desire to happen that may not be the work of God. Have you ever really desired something? Have you ever really wanted something? Have you ever really pursued something? And maybe in that pursuit, in that desire, you might want that thing very badly. So you might start working. Maybe it was a certain job. You really, really want it. And you're like, you know, I got to apply. I have the interview Ah, I blew the interview but I really want that job I think I I should have that job maybe it's a certain relationship that you really want maybe it's a certain house that you really want a material thing you know uh, basically you have this desire you have this plan you have this thing that you want to happen now we have to look at these things and say okay What's my response? Like, if I desire this, if I want this, if I see something, do I just sit back and say, if God wants me to have it, it'll be dropped into my lap? How many people think that that is a good idea? Normally, it's not. Normally, God tells us, you need to be people of action. You need to check all the boxes. You need to do what you need to do to be a faithful steward of Achieving whatever goal or desire or dream or plan that is. So this doesn't mean we just sit back and don't take any action in situations and decisions. But what it does mean is this. Ultimately, our lives are in the hands of God. And you might have something in your life that you're spinning your wheels, and it doesn't seem to be working. And at some point, you have to say to yourself, okay, this might not be what God wants. This might not be what God desires. So, what do we do? I believe this is the way we handle it. We take appropriate action, check all the boxes, and commit it to the Lord. I've shared this verse maybe a few weeks ago, even. The heart of the man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Listen, if it's God's will, it will happen. We're diligent, we work, we check the boxes, but guess what? If it's not God's will, It's not going to happen. The heart of the man plans his way. Like, we can plan. There's nothing against planning. There's nothing ungodly against planning. But the Lord establishes his steps. I've had times in my life where there were things that I was like, I know this is what I want. This is what I desire. This, 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 this. And God was like, this, 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 this. Be on your way, son. And that's the way God sometimes deals with us. And you know what? Now looking back, two, three, four, five, ten years later, I could say, (laughs) surprise, surprise. (laughs) God was right, and he had something better. So in some sense, is Gamaliel saying, hey, you guys did what you could, and if this is not from God, it's not going to prosper. But if it's from God you're going to be in some serious trouble. So you better step aside, or you're going to be found opposing God. So they took his advice. So, so they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. <laughs> nice guys, right? Okay, we'll take your advice, Cameliel. Come on in, guys. We're going to beat you, and then send you on your way. And when, you know, when it says beating... They could have been flogged, which is 39 lashes. Not a picnic, okay? Not a picnic. So they agreed with Gamaliel, brought the apostles in, gave them a nice beating, told them to keep their mouth shut and not tell any more people about Jesus, and they let them go. The apostles have a classic response. They left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name woo we got beat up for Jesus. Like, what a response, right? There is no doubt they must have been thinking that when Jesus preached that Sermon on the Mount, do you remember that? He said, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom. Like, these things are probably reeling back in their mind. Oh, yeah, Jesus said... We're going to be persecuted for righteousness sake. That's why they had this response. Nobody gets beat up and is like, yeah, I just got beat up. But they were all fired up now. They're rejoicing in the suffering for the name of Jesus. So here's what they did. Oh, that was the verse. So here's what they did. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that, that Christ is Jesus. The takeaway here for us, nothing should stand in our way of our commitment to the Lord. And the mission that he has called us to, because it's from him and nothing can stand in his way. If the work that God has called you to do is from him, which if God called you to do it, it is there is no human entity that could actually stand in the way of that. You know, we as Christians, you know, in America in 2022, sometimes it can be discouraging, right? Where is this world going? What's going on? Are they trying to do this? Are they trying to do that? Listen, they can try to do everything they want. But like Amaliel said, they're opposing God. And guess what? We know the end of the story. We know who wins. We know what God has called us to do. So like the apostles, we should just say, hey, you know what? I'm going to rejoice in the suffering and I'm going to go and continue to do God's work. Let's pray together.